here am I. Who shall I say sent me? Tell them I am who I am. I am the way, truth, and life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am who I am. Good morning. How are you? Are you well? Yeah? Good morning online. Welcome. Are you ready to dig into this today? Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. What have you concluded about Jesus? Where have you landed on who Jesus is? Being able to clearly identify where you think Jesus fits is critically important. Several years ago, a guy by the name of Josh McDowell wrote a book, and he said Jesus is in one of three categories. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or the son of God. He said Jesus fits into one of those three categories. And so it's a big, thick book. I can give you the whole book in like three seconds. But the book was basically about the fact that the good moral teacher uh, is not who Jesus claims to be. A good moral teacher who claims to be God is lying. And so Josh McDowell is saying um, Jesus is either a liar or he was crazy, right? Uh, a lunatic, or he really is the son of God. And it's so critical that you land on one of those three categories. Now, obviously, we think he's the son of God. And so how we aspire to that is the claims that he made, but also he was able then to back up his claims. So we're in a series called the I Ams. And in this series, um, all of our teaching pastors have worked on this and written different parts of this and spoken different parts of this. But it's like, I am the good shepherd, or I am the vine. And we had Griffin here. Did you enjoy having Griffin here? Wasn't that awesome having Griffin here? They're doing so well in Winston-Salem area. Griffin talked about, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. And um, we did, I am the vine. And, and, and so last week was, I am the good shepherd. Kaylin uh, uh, and Andrew did, um, I am the light of the world. Matt Turnus talked about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so again, Jesus makes these claims. They all started basically, though, with Moses. The bush is on fire. Moses is bored, depressed, discouraged. He's now 80 years old. He spent the last 40 years basically wandering and discouraged because he's kind of lost his purpose. And the bush is on fire. And he goes over to look at the bush, and God says, You're on holy ground, take your shoes off. And so he does. And in that process, God says, okay, I heard the cries, I heard the prayers, I know my people have been oppressed for 400 years, I've come to deliver them. And Moses is like, well, well, that's great, but you know, where have you been for 400 years? And now, who do I tell all these people that we're going to go do this journey together? And God says, I am that I am. It's a weird statement. Basically, I am the preexistent one, I am the eternal one, I was, I 
I is, I am, I was, I am, and I always will be. And so what he is saying is, I am the everlasting God who will be here forever and forever. And so now you got to go all the way now, several thousand years back to the New Testament. And back to the New Testament is now when Jesus starts to make those claims that I am the I am. And they knew from thousands of years ago that there would be a day when somebody would come who would be the Messiah. What you may not know is that hundreds of men claim to be the Messiah. What you may not know is hundreds of men were actually crucified, killed, and tortured because they made false claims that they were the Messiah. So here's another guy, a Jewish carpenter, a guy from Nazareth, no name Nazareth, who all of a sudden says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the guy. I I am the vine. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they're going, who are you? And so last week, Ethan and Paws talked about, I am the good shepherd. And they had uh, points to that. It was very healthy, very strong. And in the midst of that, I am the good shepherd, are a couple of verses from today. And in today's context, wrapped all around those I am the good shepherd verses, are he says, I am the door. So let's look at these in John chapter 10. And we'll start with verse 7. And I'm actually going to share the amplified translation because it helps bring out a little bit more of the meaning. So John chapter 10, and we'll start with verse 7. So Jesus said again, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I am the door for the sheep leading to life. And all who came before me as false messiahs and self-appointed leaders, those are those hundreds of different people I was was telling you about. Hundreds of false messiahs came. Hundreds of self-appointed leaders came. And Jesus says, all those guys, they were thieves, robbers, but the true sheep did not hear them. And in verse 10, he said, I mean, verse 9, he says it again. I am the door. I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and will find pasture, which is spiritual security. So there's two sides to this coin today. And I want to be real clear where I'm going. On the one side of this coin, this is deep. This is depth. It doesn't get any deeper than this when he says, I am the door. On the other hand, it doesn't get any more practical for your life when he says, I am the door. And so in both of these contexts today, there is an incredibly deep, deep, deep meaning, and there's a real personal application for your life that will transform you and change you every single day if you keep this message in front of you. But to be fair to the text, I want to let you know how deep this is. I am the door from the old covenant to the new covenant. I am the door from guilt and shame to being sinless. I am the door from eternal damnation to living forever in the kingdom of God. I am the door, the access to all the fruit of the Spirit. I am the door to the access to all the gifts of the Spirit. I am the door that goes through the holy of holies to the holy place. I am the door that rips out the, 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 the veil, the temple is written in half. I am the door that transforms and changes everything and everybody. That's when he says, I am the door. Wow, you're like, whoa, there's so much depth and so much theology that we could talk about that for weeks and months and years. It's not what I want to do. I want to get real practical. 
but I don't want you to lose sight of that. I want to get real practical when he says, I am the door. Because doors give you access. Doors grant you entry. Doors open up to hallways that go somewhere. Doors transform your life because it takes you places. Already this morning, how many doors have you gone through? How many of you went through a garage door today? How many of you went through a front door today? I think you went through a car door today to get here, right? Unless you used golf carts and walked here, right? And we get to live in Florida. I know there's snow and ice all over where you're at. But we go through sliding doors, okay, to our pools and lanai's. How many went through a sliding door somehow this morning or today somewhere? And, and so already you came in the front doors. You probably went through a closet door. You went through a bathroom door. There were multiple doors that you went through today. Every single day of your life, there, there's a, a plethora of doors that present themselves before you. Don't misunderstand what he's saying. I'm not a liar. I'm not a lunatic. I am the son of God. But I want to get real practical. I've got seven different points for you this morning that don't actually go in order, and they don't all tie in together nice and neatly, but I'm still going to give them to you because I want you to see how valuable he is to your life when he says, I am the door. And we'll see if we can get through all seven of these. First of all, every door is a decision. In your life, every door is a decision. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for choices. And every one of us has multiple choices every single day. Some doors are good for you. Some doors are not good for you. And you think about all the different doors in your life. There are food doors. There are vocation doors. There are relationship doors. There are how do you handle conflict doors? There are health doors. Every single day of your life, there's doors, there's doors, there's doors, there's doors. Multiple doors are in your life every single day. Number two, but your destiny, your destiny will be shaped by which doors you walk through and which doors you walk past. And the reason that you need Jesus and the reason that you need the Holy Spirit is you can't see through the door. You are not Superman. Do you remember Superman with x-ray vision? How many of you remember that? Okay, you're old, okay? <laughs> Superman had x-ray vision. You do not have x-ray vision. And there's doors in your life that you think are good and they're destructive. And there's doors in your life that you think are not good for you and they lead you to great pastures. You and I do not know what's on the other side of most doors. Most doors. That, that breaks down with cocaine and other, I mean, we got that, okay? But I'm talking about most doors in your life you don't know. But every door then is basically a decision by which your destiny is shaped. And there are some really good doors you need to step into. You stepped into a really good door today. You're here. You want to worship the Lord. You've come today to give him glory. And there are some doors that you shouldn't walk in and you shouldn't be walking through, right? Are, we, are you with me so far on this? All right. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And that very next verse says, so choose life. He says, choose life. 
And so your doors will determine your absolute destiny. Number three, even open doors from God may be challenging. There's kind of a thought in Christendom today that somehow if God's in it, it'll always be smooth, it'll always be easy, it'll always be peaceful, that, that you know, we're having some challenges or some rough edges or some, some rubs, and so it must not be from God. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I mean ask Abraham. I mean, Abraham had to go rescue Lot. Abraham had to go build a new house. Abraham had to do all these things he had to do. Go ask Moses. Moses was to lead them through, but there were some great challenges in Moses' life. Peter had some tremendous obstacles. Ask Jesus in the garden as he is sweating great drops of blood. And so just because there are challenges may not mean it's not not God's will for you. I, I want to show you the picture of the chapel doors. And so when we built our chapel the, we had the entire chapel done. Everything was 100% completely done, and we couldn't get the doors. These doors were stuck on a barge, and they were in Honduras. And these Honduran doors could not get off the barge into the United States. We could not get our certificate of occupancy. We have a list of weddings that are lined up and these couples are anxiously wanting to get married at our chapel, and we could not get a certificate of occupancy. One of the lawyers in our church went to work on it, took him several weeks, and he finally was able to get them released off of a barge into Miami onto a ship, onto a truck, and got them here. And, but we missed a couple of weddings. A couple of weddings we were not able to do because we could not get the doors. Sometimes in your life, it's God's will for you, but it's still a challenge. If God has a will for you to be single, that doesn't mean being single is easy. That doesn't mean being single, it doesn't have some challenges of loneliness. God may want you to be single. You have more disposable time, usually more disposable income. God may want you to be single to serve in a greater way, but it doesn't mean it isn't easy, that it's easy. If you're married... Is it easy? Did you notice not a single man responded to that? That was hilarious. Men, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy. I don't know what they're talking about. The idea of having children is a whole lot easier than having children, right? I mean, the first time you thought about having kids, it's a dream. And then those diapers. So anyway, it's, it's a whole different process. Being a marriage mentor at Harborside, we've got some awesome marriage mentors. But it doesn't mean that some of the couples that they're mentoring don't have great challenges. You get baptized and you give your life to Christ. Not everybody in your family is high-fiving you. You, just, you, just you decide to really become a disciple of Christ. Not everybody in your cubicle, your office area, is excited about how you've transformed your language and your lifestyle. So sometimes doors are, are a challenge. The next one is, I think God, um, open doors from God will never contradict the Bible. I think we always need to remember that he will never contradict Scripture. The Scriptures of God are always in alignment with 
his opportunities for your life. There are trap doors, and that's why. You gotta be careful. Look at what happened with Simon Peter and Jesus. Um, Matthew chapter 16, 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus and Peter were close. You may have people really close to you that, see, this is why you've got to abide. This is why you have to stay connected to Jesus, because you don't know what's on the other side of that door. Another thing I want to share with you is God shuts doors for your protection. The old country song years ago, I thank God for unanswered prayer, and it's a funny song, but it had pretty good theology. God does shut doors for your protection. When the ark door was shut, it saved eight people from drowning. Had God not shut that door, everyone would have perished. And there are times in your life when doors need to be shut. We have a wonderful golden retriever. I think she's nine, maybe almost 10 this Christmas. Just a great golden. And this golden retriever now in the last couple of years has gotten really anxious every 4th of July. The fireworks at 4th of July cause Lila to freak out. And so whenever there's a thunderstorm, it's replicating that same sound. She's pretty sure that it's fireworks and she's anxious. And so this is what Lila does to our doors. Lila has scratched the stew out of our doors. We have five of these doors inside of our house. This is our laundry room door. Notice the layers of paint on this door. There's a layer outside, there's a primer coat, and now there's, this, is, this is a solid wood door. And every time there's a thunderstorm and we're not home, Lila is scratching to get out. The problem is if she gets out into a thunderstorm, now she's really unsafe. The safest place for our dog is inside of our house, inside of those doors during a thunderstorm. By the way, I've repainted all those doors now, and they're all good, but I took a picture of this to show some painters to ask me what to do, and just paint over them, they said. So anyway, that's, 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 I was asking for help, you know? They look at me like, how dumb can this preacher be, you know? Just paint the doors, son. Well, anyway, they're all painted now, and I've taken care of it. <laughs> all right. I, I remember... Um, even before we were married, I, I just, I finished college and we, we moved, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky and I'm in graduate school and it's three years, it's an 88 hour graduate program. And I get there and I thought, I, I want to do some kind of ministry. So let me get a part-time job. And, and there was actually a, a full-time availability as a youth pastor at this really cool church, great church, progressive church, big church. I knew the pastor, loved the pastor, become friends with him somewhat. And so he calls out of the blue and asks me to come interview for the youth ministry job. So I do. I spent a half a day with Bob Russell from Louisville, Kentucky. And during the course of this process, um, I don't get the job, but there was another little church 104 miles away. I'm like five minutes from this other church. 104 miles away in Oakland City, Indiana. And um, they asked me if I would come and preach Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. Now, the church had gone through a mess. 
and there were 23 people. My first church had 23 people on Easter, okay? It's a big church. And there are connect groups at Harborside that are bigger than my first church, which is really, really funny. But anyway, um, I, I saw then this pastor, like about a year into, I was preaching then for about a year into this little church, and I saw him in, in Louisville, and I asked. And um, I said, you're not going to offend me. What did I not do right? Why didn't you hire me? I want to learn. I want to know what I didn't get right. And he said, oh, you were fine. He said, um, the whole time I'm interviewing you, the Holy Spirit's telling me, don't hire him. He needs to learn to preach. He needs to learn to preach. So we are at this little small church in Oakland City, Indiana, I don't know how to preach. And you're going, you still don't know how to preach. <laughs> and, and, and I don't understand the brokenness of humanity. I, I don't understand how to do all this. And so we're there with these people and we spend the weekends with them and we learn their lives and we learn their problems. We learn their pain. I do the first funeral I've ever done from, from guys, we, we quail hunted together. And it was his wife. So I didn't shoot him. It was his wife that died. But my, my, my point is this. God closed a really good door for my protection, for me. That's what he's doing in your life. Some of the greatest things that you want, he has said no to or he's closed the door to because God always closes doors for your protection. He always has your back. God opens doors to see if you will open doors for others. Look at what Luke, I mean, sorry, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know why I think God opens doors? I think God opens doors to see if you will open a door for somebody else. He opened this door for you. Now, you've learned this. Will you open that door for somebody else? You've got that experience, and he opened that door for you. Now you can teach somebody how to open that door for somebody else. Isn't it a tragedy, a tragic, when you see people that are older who have all this experience and all this wealth of knowledge and information, and they're not teaching it with anybody else? They're not sharing it with anybody else. You've heard me say this before. I believe every man needs a man ahead of him, a man beside him, and a man behind him. I believe every woman in this room and online needs a woman in front of her, a woman beside her, and a woman behind her. And I think God opens doors for me sometimes just to see if I will help others and open those doors for them. Sometimes God cracks open a door, number seven, to give you a glimpse of your future long before you're ready to walk into it. God will give you a little glimpse, and it's just a crack. He just cracks the door open to see what is available for you. You felt that before. It's Joseph at age 17, given a dream that someday he would be the ruler over his brothers and over Pharaoh. Now, he should have kept that dream to himself, shouldn't he? He really should have, because his older brothers weren't very happy with that dream. It's Abraham at age 75. At age 75, Abraham was told he would be the father of many nations. 25 years later, 25 years later, 17 years later, Joseph, 
25 years later with Abraham when they actually got the promise. And so God gives you passion and vision and dreams, especially at your age, especially where you're at. But I remember again at that church in Oakland City, Indiana, and I I just, I want to tell you, God bless those people. They they deserve to go straight to heaven. They do. I was so bad. They they deserve to go straight to heaven. They listened for three years. And and my, my point is this, though, how we want to help these people. We want to help them and grow them and transform their lives and change them. We do. So again, let's look at these seven on the back screen. Every door is a decision. Your destiny will be shaped by which doors you walk through. Even open doors from God may be challenging. Open doors from God will never contradict the Bible. God shuts doors for your protection. God opens doors to see if you'll open doors for others. And God cracks open a door to give you a glimpse even of your future. All right, let's apply this to your life. Let's apply this to you. All right, that was a lot of practicality. We're gonna go deep for just a minute. Then we're gonna go really clear to you. So Revelation chapter three, verse seven, is now quoting opening and closing doors. Look at this verse. It says, to the angel in the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. And what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. So I am at a walk through the Bible conference with Danita years ago, many years ago. And we're there, and this guy named Dr. Henry Blackaby, who's a legend today, was a legend then, wrote The Experiencing God, many different books. And he's there at breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we're there at the breakfast table. And he says to me, young man, what's your life verse? And I said, "Um, I, I don't have one, but the way this conversation's going, uh, I need to quickly get one, don't I? And he said, yes, you, you do. You need a life verse. And so he tells me his life verse, which was Isaiah 59, the last verse, and it was a great life verse. And so I, I spent a year thinking about this. If, I, if we're gonna have a life verse, what should it be? And Revelation 3, 7 really starts with Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. And in Isaiah 22, 22, there's this guy named Elakim who has the key to every door in David's palaces. Not palace, palaces. David's got multiple homes, multiple palaces, and the guy's name is Elakim, and Elakim has the key of David which means Elohim can open any door he wants in David's palaces. Elohim has access. Elohim has authority. Elohim has the ability to go into any door, any room, any hallway, any time. He has access to the palace of David. David trusted him so much. And Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, talks about this church and you and me. We want the key of David. We want to be able to have access then as the the lineage of David now through Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ now holds the key of David. Jesus Christ now supersedes the lineage of David. And that gives you access. 
And what the author is trying to communicate to you and me in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, is that you and I have access to everything in the kingdom of God. Everything that God says is available. All those promises that we've talked about. Every spiritual gift. Every fruit of the Spirit. Everything in your life is available to you. There is so much more available to you than you could ever dream or ever imagine. Because you've been given access by the power of of the key of David, David, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit now that rules and reigns in your life. And so I thought, wow, Danita, we talked about this for a year. I said, that's our life first. That's our life first, Revelation 3-7. So we painted it inside of our house. This is our house. Those are my front doors. I have repainted those front doors since Lila scratched them, by the way. Now I'll repaint them again. But I want you to catch the verse. And we've had that verse now for years over, over our, our doors. What door he opens, no one can shut. And what door he shuts, no one can open. And the reason I'm asking you to embrace this, it doesn't have to be your life verse. But I'm asking you to embrace this great theology that's deep and practical is that there are some doors that you're trying to go through that you do not want to be opened. You think you do, but you don't want them to be opened. And there's some doors in your life that you really do want open and you don't think you do. And so the only way you're going to know what's behind the door is by abiding in Christ. The only way you're going to know what you should do is by asking God to open doors and close doors. It's that simple. God, what doors need to be open in business, in relationships, in family, with health? What doors need to be open in our neighborhood? What doors need to be open in our church? What doors need to be open? God, for heaven's sakes, please, what doors need to be shut and a padlock and chain wrapped around those doors? And so years now, I don't know, 25 years, 20 years. We have prayed this prayer. I think when this happened, I think Erica was maybe five and Ethan was three. Emily wasn't even born yet. Um, So we started praying this for Erica and we started praying this for Ethan. We started praying this for our, our church and our family and our relationships. And God, God, what doors need to be open? And what doors need to be shut? And so when I sit in our living room, our piano room, I call it, and I, uh, I study in there and spread out in there, I see that. Right, right about here, literally in our house, I'm sitting on a sofa in Audubon, and I see that verse, and I'm preparing sermons. Lord, what doors do you want to be open? Or I'm thinking about our sons-in-law. We have two great sons-in-laws. We have a great daughter-in-law. We have three amazing children. We have, we, have, we have three grandchildren and another grandchild on the way. Lord, what doors need to be open? What doors need to be closed? What are we doing that we shouldn't be doing? What, what do we keep pushing on? That, that We keep pushing on the door and you keep saying no. And where, where do those doors need to open in our lives? That's become our life verse. And it has changed everything. 
for us. So, in your life, what doors need to be shut? Well, you see, you don't know. You don't know unless you abide in Christ. You don't know unless you ask him. You don't have x-ray vision. You can't see behind the door. And so oftentimes we get ourselves in trouble when we stop asking him, Lord, will you open the right doors? Will you close the wrong doors? Will you give me peace, patience, and perseverance, and courage to know the difference between the two? You see, if, if you're single, this is your verse. You, you don't know what's God's will for you if, you if you're single right now. But you don't want to push against the wrong door. If you're single, maybe you're exactly where you're supposed to be, doing exactly what God wants you to do, being exactly the person he's called you to be. Maybe he wants you to be married. Maybe he doesn't. You don't want to. You heard the women earlier chime in about, you know, okay? I'm just saying, you don't want to go through that door, Right? I think you have so many more opportunities than you could ever dream or imagine. I I don't care who the most successful woman in this room is, the most successful man in this room is. I I think you've reached about this much of your potential. I really do. I think God has so much more in store for you. You can't begin to imagine. You can't begin to dream of the great things he has in store for you. Whether it's your health, your wealth, business, a job, an opportunity, pouring into kids, foster care. You, you have no idea without asking. And so we ask, Lord, open doors. Lord, shut doors. Oh, God, 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 shut the doors. Oh, God, open the doors. And he will. It kind of takes the pressure off, too. You don't have to kick the doors open. And you don't have to slam the doors shut. So you ask. On tomorrow morning's podcast, I did about a 30-minute podcast on this message. But I tell the story of where Ethan was asked to play competitive baseball. And we, he's going to be traveling on Sundays. And we went, hmm. It's a great opportunity to play competitive baseball. Danita gets in her closet for three hours. She wasn't leaving her closet until she got an answer from God. And God said, no, that's not good for him to take him out of church, to take him out of that community. And we told him no. And God had already prepared Ethan's heart he didn't fight us. He didn't kick against us. He said, he said, okay. Now, I'm not saying kids shouldn't play competitive baseball. I'm saying, is that the right door for your kid? I'm saying, is anything you're getting ready to do, a move, a job promotion, 
buying a house, selling a house, selling a business, buying a business, any, anything is my point on whether or not that's the right open door for you and for your life. But you won't know if you don't ask him. And that's why he said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And if you do not abide in me, you will not bear much fruit. So let's pray. I want you to pray for yourself right now. I'm going to ask you to pray about what doors in your life need to be shut. Lord, reveal this to us. What doors need to be shut? Listen as we all pray to you. God, we're asking you to open doors. Every one of us has a destiny. Don't let us get outside of your lane. Open doors for me, my family, our church. Open door for all my friends. Open all the doors for all the people online, all the people in the house. Open the right doors, God. There still may be challenges. There still may be some hardships, but God, we're, we're trusting in you because we don't believe that you're a liar and we don't believe that you're a lunatic. We believe that you are the risen Savior. And Father, for those in the room that have never given their lives to Christ, those online that have never received Jesus as their Savior right now, May they join me as I pray out loud with them. Lord Jesus, we accept you as our Savior. We accept you. We give our lives to you. We yield our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray.